0: It's time Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's a the Sports, sports Rush, Rush with, with Brett Rump. Rump. Got Three ball, that's Landis. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit city. Clark, 11 yards, touchdown. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are incredible. Listen to me, older than wise
1: well you're half right what is this amateur art? this is gonna be huge i believe this is gonna be our finest hour
0: just when i think you've said the stupidest thing ever you keep talking i think that's the worst thing i've ever heard. that boy ain't right the simplest way to put it i have problems welcome
2: to the alleged show you home on a Thursday, it is gorgeous outside, lots of sunshine, warm temperatures, and a hot show coming your way right now on the Sports Rush, I like that it just becomes natural when you've been an air personality and a disc jockey just to hit that post, right, Uh, the Doobie Brothers, great way to start the show, kind of crank down the windows, turn up the stereo, man. It is just beautiful. I mean, compared to what we've had, I thought, would I look underdressed if I just wore a golf shirt? Because that's kind of weather we've got today, right? Oh, yeah. And I don't know if you heard about this, but uh, apparently officials sent us, and it's our first ever press release that we've gotten here at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. But apparently thousands of people were reporting a UFO in the skies over Fort Wayne this morning. I don't know if you heard about this. No, what's up with that? Uh, apparently, there was a glowing yellow or orangish orb that was floating over the city. Now, people that had spotted it had reported that it did not make a sound. It had very little movement, and it seemed to be emitting heat. Uh, so, not sure exactly what it was, but <laughs> thousands of people were witness to whatever was over our city this morning because it's something that we have not seen and Clearly was unidentified by many.
3: I think that may, might be what they refer to as the sun,
2: oh, my friend. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> Good way to start the month of February, though. <laughs> well, that's the thing. We went the entire month of January now with just clouds. And now we start February with a bright sunshine, 50 degrees. What does it mean? Does it mean we're going to have a nasty... I mean, remember, tomorrow's the Groundhog Day, right? Right. Pucks to Tony Phil. Yeah, so we're going to find out the six more weeks or, you know, having... I don't know what it is. Six more weeks of winter or having an early spring. Is that what we're supposed to be finding out tomorrow? Yeah, something with the shadows. I'm like, this should be much more evidence that we're going to have some (laughs) kind of an early spring or a nasty March. I don't know what it means. Uh. But just remember, February 1st came in like a lamb. (laughs) because march might go out like a lion (laughs) might come in like a lion too (laughs) yeah yeah we might every day might be coming in and out like lions i I don't know what it means but all i know is we'll enjoy it for the day we have it it's going to be a little bit colder tomorrow now i did have to rub it in my wife in florida you know she is just notorious for sending me screenshots of her weather showing me it's 81 or it's 82 so i decided to send her a screenshot of mine Her comment back to me was, Uber feels like it's only 46. (laughs) And I said, are you kidding me? It feels like it's 80. What do you mean it feels like 46? I mean, to Uh, us, it feels like an 80-degree day right now.
3: Bust out the short shorts.
2: You don't realize we had to go like 10 straight days in January. We didn't get above freezing.
3: I might be back to the
2: basketball court here soon, my friend. Oh, I didn't even think about you. Well, of course you do Today ought to be, Yeah, I never think of <laughs> quite honestly, I really never do think about you. Maybe in some ways that's a good thing. But I uh but uh but yeah, I I I you should. This should be the day that you go out and take some shots. Wow,
3: getting shots up
2: in February first. Start to feel like spring. Put on some shorts, go out and shoot some hoops. We'll see. The video, put it on social media. <laughs> Uh, or maybe don't. Might get scouted. Last night, we had a chance to see some hoops. In fact, we got bonus hoops last night from Mackey Arena as the Purdue Boilermakers survived Northwestern, this time prevailing on their home court by a final score of 105 to 96. Uh, boy, that was a fight. It was actually fun to watch because it was two teams playing really hard against each other. A lot of plays were being made and, uh, Of course, it was a -a hack-a-Zach all (laughs) night long.
3: Yeah, a lot of talk about the free throw disparity in this one. A lot of unhappy non-Purdue fans not happy with the amount of free throws for the Boilermakers.
2: Well, you know, that was the thing is uh, Zach Eadie fouled out not one, but two bigs. Northwestern was running out of big men. But I I do think that, you know, you listen to Chris Collins after the game, and basically there's not many answers on how you defend Zach Eady because one-on-one he's going to beat you almost every time. So you've got to either double him or you've got to hack him. And uh, last night, a little bit of a hack of Zach. Uh, Of course, he has struggled with his free throws, um, but uh, it did lead to a huge foul disparity last night. (laughs) Um, and Purdue was spending a good deal of the time last night at the free throw line, and Northwestern wasn't. In fact, you got to the end of the game, and Purdue still had fouls to burn before they could even, uh, you know, force free throws. So it was uh, it was pretty one sided. But the question is, was that because of the officials, or was that because of the way the two teams played? To me, Northwestern was very physical, handsies. That, that, I mean, they were. Most of those fouls were fouls. Uh, Now, did the the officials probably miss a few on Northwestern uh, or on Purdue? They might have. But Chris Collins went absolutely nuts after the game. And it wasn't even after the game. It was actually with about two seconds left (laughs) to go in overtime. And he's running on the court going after an official. I mean, Purdue's trying to dribble out the clock, and here's Chris Collins running around doing some kind of a dance with one of the officials, Courtney Green, who he was very uh, unhappy with. But here's the thing to remember. If you think there's any kind of bias here, first of all, the three officials, and and this is the way the Big Ten is doing it now. Uh, Years ago, it used to be there was a group of officials that were known as the Big Ten officials, and they were hired to work Big Ten games. And in college football, it is still that way. You have the Big Ten officials, you have the ACC officials, you have the Southeast Conference officials. Everybody in each conference has their own group of officials that are supervised by people within that conference. Basketball is not that way. Basketball has a pool of officials, and they're assigned by regional assignors and, uh, you know, there's somebody who does a sign for the Big Ten, but they're drawing from a pool that covers a wide section of the country, and many of the referees that come in and work the Big Ten games now are not exclusive to the Big Ten, which means they do not get accustomed to seeing how teams are defending Zach Eadie, how other officials are calling the fouls against Zach Eadie, because, quite honestly, every time Zach Eadie gets the ball, especially down in the low post, He's probably either bumped into, got a knee up his back, an arm in his uh, midsection. I mean, there's always some type of foul you could call. The I think the the rule they go by is, is it enough to cause displacement? And it takes a lot to displace a guy like Zach Eady. So there's two ways that you're going to foul Zach Eady and probably have it called. One is you actually go with enough force that your action, which is illegal to begin with, forces him off his spot. And then they'll probably call that foul. Number two is if it is on a shot and it alters a shot. So if he turns and you hack him on the wrist and the shot goes in, maybe it won't even be a whistle. But if you hack him on the wrist and the ball rolls off the side of the iron quick whistle, and that's probably going to be a foul. And that's how, that's how most officials, I think, have kind of settled on how do you deal with Zach Eadie because everybody that guards him has got to foul him to even have a 50-50 chance against him. Well, last night, uh, big disparity in going to the free throw line. And uh, now unfortunately for Purdue, Zach Eadie was a lot of times the guy going to the line and he was having a horrendous night at the free throw line. But the disparity was addressed. Chris Collins finally cooled off, made it into the post-game press conference. This was what he had to say about the officiating.
1: Um, I just don't know if I've ever seen a a box score like that, honestly. I mean, you know, you guys, I don't know, you guys have been doing this too. A lot of you guys have been covering. I don't know if you've ever seen a disparity like that in a Big Ten game, Um, which is like Purdue. Obviously, we're fouling that much. I mean, I I feel like we're aggressive, though, too. You know, I felt like, I mean, boo -boo booey. Doesn't shoot a free throw in the game. That's it's kind of crazy, um, but. That's how the game's called. I mean, and you it's, it's and you gotta live with it. I mean that's why that's why I was so proud of my guys. I mean, if you're down fifty at the free throw line and you take the other shot at the buzzer, so I mean, you almost have to play perfect, you know, and so our guys show a lot of poise. Obviously this is a not many people come in here and win, and there's a reason for that, because they have great teams and this crowd is awesome and it's such a fun environment to play in and you know, we just—it's disappointing because um, you know we had our
2: chances. We just couldn't close the deal. Zach Eady ended up with 30 points. He also went to the free throw line 17 times, but after his first 15 attempts, he had only made six of them. He did make his last two, which were actually key points in the overtime. Zach Eady finishes with 30, and it is the fourth time in the last six games that Zach Eady has had 30 plus. In a game, 30 points, 15 rebounds, three assists last night for Zach Eady. Uh Over his last six games, he's averaging 27.5 points per game, 14.8 rebounds per game, and Purdue is 6-0 in those contests. But uh, Lance Jones may have been the bigger story last night. Lance Jones finished with 26 points. He was 5-7 for seven from beyond the arc, and that is what, you know, if you're going to go down and you're going to double Zach Eady. And you're going to try to not foul him, but just double him and force him to either take an uncomfortable shot or give the ball up. you got to have guys on the perimeter that can hit shots. Lance Jones last night was that guy hitting shots, five for seven beyond the arc. And Matt Painter actually talked a little bit about Lance Jones last night.
3: You know, he, he was so good down the stretch. You know, those threes, when they go up five or six, he was so good. Um, they had us right there, like they, you know, if they can get a stop and then another score, which they were scoring every time. Um, we were doing positive things, we just weren't making our free throws. So, that was trying to like, don't get away from what we're doing, we, you know, we're gonna make them. Um, but no, Lance's those two threes he made there, you know, he just gives us an, another element, he gives us that speed and quickness, um, competitiveness, very, very competitive. But uh, I thought he made some huge plays for us. Then he made his free throws down the stretch. I didn't realize he had 26 points. I'd let him shoot those free throws to get 30. But <laughs> Mason sacrificed so much for us. You know, he's a starter. And
2: uh- you know, isn't that kind of interesting that the uh, uh, that Matt Painter said when there was just 1.7 seconds, Chris Collins had just gotten a double T, got tossed out, so it led to four meaningless free throws at the end. It wasn't going to decide the game. It was just packing on some extra points. So Matt Painter could have sent anybody to the line, and Mason Gillis came out and shot the free throws. And in hindsight, Matt Painter, realizing that Lance uh, Lance Jones had, had 26 points, thought maybe he would have changed his mind and actually given him a chance to get to his 30. And then they could have had a 30-30 last night with Zach Eadie going for 30, Lance Jones going for 30. But, uh, you know, Purdue got a scare. And I'll tell you this. Northwestern is one of the best teams in the country. I mean, this is, I don't know if they're true top 10, but they're a legit top 15. And if you don't have them in the top 15, you are absolutely missing something. They've got a real big in Nicholson. They've got three really good guards. And then Brooks Barnheiser is just a player, a coach's son. He just knows how to distribute, when to get his shot, who the guy is that you want to work the ball to based on matchups. And that is a really good team. Now, I don't know about their depth, but, man, can Ty Berry play? Can Boo Booey play? You know, they both finished with 25 points. I, I just, I'm so impressed with Northwestern. And, you know, it's, it's like you go by reputation. And I think anybody who's been around basketball for a while just looks at Northwestern and think that's a winnable game. Man, I, I tell you what, you should think about Northwestern about the same as you think about Illinois, because that's just how good Northwestern is. They're well coached. Chris Collins does a tremendous job with this team, and and you know I think part of his strategy was to to hack a hack a Zach last night, <laughs> and it almost paid off. Northwestern almost for the second time this year knocked off Purdue. And I guess it wouldn't be knocking off number one Purdue twice, but it would be knocking off number one Purdue and number two Purdue in the same <laughs> season. So I guess you'd get credit for knocking off uh, a number one and a number two in the same season. That'd be the same team. But.
3: Very impressive. And, uh, you know, they're overall, I mean, you know, they, they're they very impressive shooting. 57% from the field and 50, over 50% from three last night. Boo Booey was lighting it up as he usually does. Very good team.
2: Purdue had to go to a zone. At Mm -hmm. times. And I will. I'll just tell you that that is the only question mark I think you've got with Purdue is the matchups. And we've talked about this. We've talked about Fletcher lawyer being a defensive liability. And then depending on how you end up guarding with Lance Jones, does he go to a small guard, a big guard? Does he go to a small forward? Is it even a small four man? But Lance Jones is probably going to get the best guy. But Lance Jones hasn't necessarily been a lockdown guy. He's been good defensively and he's quick and he's athletic and he's improved that area for the Boilermakers significantly over last year. But I don't know that Braden Smith's a great defender. I'll say this. He works his tail off on the defensive end. But that doesn't necessarily make him a results-oriented defender. So, I, You know, that's one concern. The other concern is that man. What happened to Caleb first? What did he do that was so bad that you can't even hardly put him on the floor anymore? I, I don't get it. Three minutes last night. And, and it just seems like, okay, he's almost worked his way completely out of the rotation. And we've got two guys from this area that are in the same position. Caleb first at Purdue getting three minutes last night and Connor Asesian at Wisconsin, who despite the fact that he was cut significantly in minutes and getting, uh, you know, single digit minutes, he was producing in the minutes he was playing and still getting limited minutes. So, but I can't figure out, uh, you know, is it Gillis? Is it, is it Trey Kaufman? Wren? Is it Caleb first? Which one of those guys is your true four man? And uh, and each one kind of brings something a little different. To me, Caleb First brings a big body, and it may make the other team have to adjust to a, a second big body on the floor. Instead of having to worry about one big guy, now you got to worry about two that are that are big and strong, and can beat you on the glass. Drake kaufman Wren, he's got that length. He's got the ability to stretch the floors, take you outside, and then drive and handle the ball, drive into the basket, and then Mason Gillis. I think almost he's better in the mid-range to the three-point shot than he is really right around the basket. But uh, uh, that seems to be a question mark. Who is the foreman for Purdue? And uh, and we'll see if, if they stick with somebody, if they keep this rotation going. It seems like what they do, everybody gets their chance, and then they go with the guy that they think is going to have the hot night or give them the greatest advantage in that matchup. Because we've seen Trey Kaufman-Wren go for big nights and get high minutes. We've seen Mesa Gillis. But the one guy that just seems to be lost right now, and I know you could say, well, yeah, but he's more of a center. And you got Zach Edey now playing 35 minutes where he used to play about 22. It's like, yeah, I get that. But he's an experienced player that can still hit some threes. Yeah, he's only like two for nine on the season from three. So it's not his, his strongest suit. But he is—he's uh, almost disappeared right now for Purdue. Four six eight six two. Parkview Sports Medicine text line. What's happening in the world of sports? Let's check in now on today's top headlines. Here they come with Adam Lundy.
3: All right. Thanks, Brett. Let's get into these today's top headlines. Starting off in the NFL, the Washington Commanders are hiring Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn to be their next coach. Quinn replaces Ron Rivera, who was fired by new owner Josh Harris one day after the season ended. Quinn, 53 years old, served as Dallas's defensive coordinator for the past three seasons. The Cowboys ranked a combined fifth in points and seventh in yards. Under Quinn, the Cowboys led the NFL with 93 forced turnovers.
2: Uh, bad, bad decision. Washington needs offense. They got a defensive coach and it didn't work out. Yeah. And so what do you do? You go right back and get the best available, def- experienced defensive coach. I don't even know if he's the best available. But I, I don't like the hire at all.
3: Hopefully he'll bring in a good offensive coordinator for whichever quarterback they probably end up getting in right. the draft. Former Indianapolis Colts cornerback Isaiah Rogers Sr. in his first interview since being suspended by the NFL for betting on his own team says that while bets were made from his account, they were made for others and not himself. Rogers said the wagers, including some smaller ones and a $1,000 prop bet, were placed from his online sports gambling account. He said they were made for people who lived in Florida where online sports betting at that time remained illegal. Ooh. Interesting. The NBA announced today that it had fined the Philadelphia 76ers $75,000 in the New Orleans Pelicans, $25,000 for violations of the league's injury reporting rules. Philadelphia was fined after Joel Embiid went from not being on the injury report to, quote, out with left knee soreness for a nationally televised game Saturday in Denver against Jokic and the Nuggets. The Pelicans were fined for doing the same with Trey Murphy for Saturday's game against the Milwaukee bucks. Your last story for today, Nick's forward Julius Randle has dislocated his right shoulder and will be reevaluated in two to three weeks. Those are
2: your top stories, Brett. There you go. Top stories with Adam Lundy. Still coming up on the show, we're going to be talking to Tim Tassler, a baseball historian who's got a special presentation coming up uh, this weekend at the History Center and we'll talk to him about what you can learn about baseball and its history in Fort Wayne this weekend. Also, Eric Kevis checks in with the top five in boys basketball. That comes up at 535 coming up next got to talk local college basketball and we'll get you all caught up in what's happening with all our teams locally right after the break you're listening to the sports rush with brett rump on 1380
0: the fan and 100.9 fm listen live at 1380 thefancom
2: Up Sam King will join us in minutes to talk about Purdue's uh, win last night in overtime against Northwestern and uh, his thoughts about the disparity. We did get a number of texts that came in saying that the officials were calling a tight game last night. Only Purdue was making the adjustments. I think part of it was this just that uh, Northwestern came in with a strategy that they were either going to double or in a certain position, or if they got handicapped and Edie got too close to the basket, they were going to hack a Zach. And <laughs> that's what they did. Yeah. And, and so uh, a number of them were against Zach Edie. That's how two centers filed out of the game. But uh, but again, give us your thoughts. 46862, the Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Uh, I thought it would be fun because tonight last night I went to Purdue Fort Wayne, saw the women play Cleveland State. Ugh. 9 to nothing. they came out on fire. They looked terrific, man. They they moved the ball against that Cleveland State zone, created some great shooting opportunities. They dropped in the buckets, and they raced out to a quick, quick 9 to nothing lead. Um, and then all of a sudden, they could not get a bucket. They missed whether it was a layup, whether it was an open three-pointer, or then a turnover or two. They ended up allowing Cleveland State to go on, I think it was an 18-point run. And they never, ever got themselves in a position to really be back in the game. They were always, basically, they were uh, uh, caught in a boat trying to get upstream and and uh, didn't have a paddle. I mean, it was just one of those things where they uh, they could never get over that 10, 12-point hump. And Cleveland State ends up getting the victory by 10, 70 to 60. So the Dons now in a log jam with three other, two other teams tied for third place And remember, the goal is by the end of the year to be in one of those top four spots, preferably be in one of the top three. You would probably have to go to Cleveland State or take on Cleveland State in a semifinal. But I think I would rather see Cleveland State in a semifinal than see Green Bay. But Green Bay still has a date in Fort Wayne. But I thought, having seen that game last night, having the men playing tonight, having it being homecoming week, so... You've got the women back at home on Saturday. You've got the men at home on Sunday against Youngstown State. I, I thought, let's catch up on all our college hoops. We haven't talked a lot about what's happening at Indiana Tech, what's happening at St. Francis. First of all, Indiana Tech women's basketball, they're unbeaten this year. Now, that didn't say this season. <laughs> didn't say this season. I said they're unbeaten this year. 2024, they've still not lost a game. They're 18-3 and three overall. But they ended up finishing January with a nine and and0 record after they got an eighty to sixty seven win over Sienna Heights last night. Now for the men, they're thirteen and eight. They beat Sienna Heights ninety-nine to fifty three. I wonder if they Whoa. had the shot to hit the hundred. <laughs> it's always surprising when you see a team get to ninety nine. Uh let's move over to Saint Francis. St. Francis won on the road at Goshen last night, 88-79. That would be the men. That improved their record to 12-9, while the women almost keeping exact pace. They're 12-8. They got a victory against Goshen last night by the same margin, nine points. Final score, 67-58. And then uh, finally, let's go southwest to Huntington. Where uh, you've got uh, Corey Alford coaching the men and you've got Darby Maggard coaching the women. They've both been on our program, and uh, the Huntington women's basketball team is now 11 and 10 under Coach Darby Maggard. I'll tell you what, Bailey Kellum, the former Garrett product, as a freshman is on fire. Give her the fire emoji. 23 points per game average over her last five. She's now averaging 18.3 points per game on the season A freshman. Wow. Hitting 42% of her three-point shots. Whew. Any coaches on the northeast side of town that might be listening right now? <laughs> 42% from distance, 89% at the free throw line. It's been a terrific year so far for Bailey Kellum for the Huntington Foresters. Now, speaking of Huntington and St. Francis, you've got St. Francis and Huntington in a doubleheader coming up this weekend at 1-3. and three. That'll be at the Hutzel Center on the University of St. Francis campus. Uh, and then uh, Corey Alford and the men for Huntington, 14-7, having a really strong year. So that should be a heck of a game with 14-7 Huntington against 12-9 Saint Francis on the men's side. That'll be the second game of the doubleheader. Meanwhile, for Indiana Tech, they're back at home on Saturday. It's a busy day. Unfortunately, they play at exact same times. So <laughs> they got to choose one or the other. Indiana Tech and uh is it Aquinas? I believe so. That's what it is today, darn it. <laughs> men's basketball, women's basketball doubleheader with the women tipping at 1 and the men at 3. There you go. We're all caught up, see?
3: I like it. A little look at some of the local basketball.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Big uh, game tonight out at the Coliseum, Mastodons. It's a whiteout. They're calling it, what, a Blizzard of Dons. And so they're putting the white in. Isn't it ironic that the day they have the Blizzard (laughs) of Dons promotion, it is 50 degrees and sunny outside? Yeah. Yeah, so everybody, uh, the students are all getting like white shirts, asking fans to wear white and uh, go with a kind of a whiteout atmosphere at the Coliseum tonight. Against the Milwaukee Panthers, and this is a huge game in Horizon League standings because both teams are five and five. The loser of this game is going to slip down to what seventh or eighth place, yeah, in the Horizon League standings. So very important game tonight. We'll have coverage for you starting with the pregame show at six forty-five. The tip about seven o'clock. I'll be on the call with Chris Underwood right here at thirteen eighty The Fan and one hundred point nine FM. And as we mentioned, women last night fell to Cleveland State seventy to sixty. But they are back in action on Saturday at the Gates Center, taking on IUPUI. Coming up next, we talk Purdue Northwestern. What a game last night with Sam King, who covers the Boilermakers for the Lafayette Journal and Courier. He's joining us next on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan
4: and 100.9 FM. I'm a pilot, martial artist, mountain biker, hiker. The thing that brings me down is
0: my feet. Do you want to be more active and start exercising, but you can't because you know you're going to have real pain and discomfort? Listen to Randy and his real experience at the Good Feet
4: store. When my wife finally talked me into going into a Good Feet store, the salesperson there immediately started investing himself in my problem. This is not something that you could solve online. There's got to be somebody there that can help you find that fit. You put in the art supports and your day becomes better. And Good Feet has saved the day.
0: We want. To help you get back to doing the things you love. Visit the Good Feet store today on Coldwater Road next to Joanne Fabric. Trade in your bad feet and start the new year with Good Feet and get healthy in 2024. Thanks to the store. There's no appointment necessary. Just stop in and learn how Good Feet can help you find relief with no shots, no medication, and no surgery
1: qc kinetics patient robert patterson a veteran and business owner struggled at work and in the gym with chronic agonizing shoulder pain those injuries just continue to nag and if you don't treat them they just get worse and i just kind of abused my body for a long time and it finally had said enough is enough that's okay because qc kinetics tells your pain hey enough is enough their regenerative treatments bring you relief by helping restore and repair damaged tissue with no drugs no downtime and best of all no surgery was able to exceed the goals that i had previously attained in the gym it was absolutely worth its weight in gold so i could continue to live life without limitation ready to get lasting relief from your joint pain call qc kinetics to learn more about how natural biologic treatments can get you lasting results call now it's a free consultation
0: call qc kinetics 260-333-9383 That's 260-333-9383. 260-333-9383.
2: Who says you can't have good taste and good value? With Pizza Hut's new $7 deal lover's menu, you can now have both. Pizza, pasta, wings, new roasted garlic or bacon cheddar cheese sticks, chocolate donuts or Cinnabons. The options are endless. Just $7 each when you buy two. The $7 deal lover's menu. Now that's a deal you can love. Only from Pizza Hut. No one out pizzas the Hut. Indiana Sports Talk right here in Fort Wayne. Caleb and Kenny in the morning at 7 a.m. Dan
0: Patrick and the Herd with Colin Cowherd get you through the midday. Then back to Hoosier Sports Talk with Indiana Sports Beat at 3. Followed by The Sports Rush with Brett Rump. Find your favorite Fort Wayne sports hosts and interact with them now on Twitter at 1380TheFan on Facebook.com slash 1380TheFan. Or go to 1380TheFan.com and find Caleb and Kenny, Indiana Sports sport, Or Brett Rump's social media info and start the conversation today
3: this is maria marcasano head women's basketball coach at purdue fort wayne and you're listening to the sports rush with brett rump on 1380 the
2: fan and 100.9 fm coming up in hour number two we get to talk fort wayne baseball history with tim tasler a baseball historian from right here in the summit city he'll join us at about 5:20, and then just after 5:30, eric dute dute kevich from parkview sports medicine Talking high school basketball. Last night at Mackey Arena, the rematch between Northwestern and Purdue. And my gosh, it looked a lot like the first game. Except the final outcome, Purdue survives in overtime. And uh, the margin really doesn't tell the story. 105 to 96. This was more a two-possession game than a nine-point game. But to talk about it, joining us here on the Sports Rush from the Lafayette Journal and Courier, it is Sam King. Sam, always uh, a pleasure to have you on the show. Is the weather as nice in Lafayette today as it is here in the northeast part of the state?
4: Uh, it's about time. I think it's 52 <laughs> degrees today, and uh, it's been long uh, awaited because I was getting tired of the cold and the rain and everything else. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is definitely welcome.
2: Well, Mother Nature must not like January. She must. Mother Nature must have been waiting for February to turn on the, uh, the sun again because... Uh, We haven't seen it for a long time, but last night inside Mackey arena place was rocking for this Northwestern Purdue game. And it didn't disappoint. I I think some people thought, Oh, Purdue's going to, you know, going to win this one easy because they were tested on the road. They'll never, but this is a really good Northwestern team and they've got some elite guard play. And we saw it on display last night.
4: Yeah. I I think Northwestern is probably a top 25 team to be honest with you. And uh, whether the, uh, AP voters or coaches, poll voters, decide that. I don't know, but uh, when you look at the, the record of that team, what the teams that Northwestern has beaten, including Purdue, and then just the way that the, you know nobody comes into Mackey Arena and has a chance to win the game on the final shot uh, very often, and that's right where Northwestern was, and even got a good look, That I'm surprised still that Boo Booey didn't make that <laughs> shot up in the regulation, uh, because if he did, we'd have a whole different outlook on uh, where Purdue is right now, but, uh, yeah, absolutely crazy that these two teams have played twice and the, the combined score is 193 to 188. So you don't get that a whole lot in the Big Ten. It's definitely fun to watch from a fan's perspective. Um, if you're a coach, uh, who's in charge of defense for either of those programs, though, you gotta be thinking, oh my goodness, we got a lot of work to do.
2: Well, and, and let's ask about that, because we've got some text that Purdue, again, exposed by elite guards. Does Purdue have a vulnerability to teams that have elite guard play?
4: Uh, I would, you know, earlier in the season, I would say yes. When you look at some of the shots that, that Boo Booey hit last night, they were, I don't know if there's anything else you could do besides Fallon. Uh, it was the same way against Nebraska. I feel like, uh, you know, talking to Coach Painter and some of the, the coaches on staff, Ten of the 14 threes that Nebraska hit that night, it was just, you know, take your cap because it was a tough shot. But, yes, uh, Ty Berry got loose probably more than uh, they would have liked last night. Uh, I think part of that was Purdue knew it had to do something different. You saw a lot more um, subbing in and out uh, than it typically would with Purdue trying to get Fletcher Lawyer out of the game and Ethan Morton into the game um, because you needed that, that uh, perimeter defense. Um Lance Jones did a much better job on Boo-Booie than he did at Evanston, which you wouldn't know it looking at, uh, at Booie's line, where he, he hit seven of 11 threes and scored 25 points. But um, definitely did a better job. I just think that, uh, you know, in a couple instances, uh, the, the offense was better than the defense. So I don't know if uh, that's the outcome that you get against most teams. It's just Northwestern was on an absolute heater and hit 14 threes last night. Um there is still work to do. There were some times where I thought Purdue got lazy on closeouts or, um, you know, even Purdue went to a zone because, uh, which never happens because mm-hmm. it felt like we've got to change something up. It's not working what we're doing. Um, and then quickly, uh, Northwestern hits a couple threes and realized, okay, that's not working. Let's go back to, to what we do. So, um, I think that, you know, this maybe was a sign that Matt Tanner is willing to adapt, um, and do some different things where he has to defensively um, if you get into a situation where there's a boo-boo-y type of player that you know can just take over a game.
2: The elephant in the room, which I don't think is an elephant in the room anymore. Everybody's kind of exposed it and been talking about it, is the disparity at the free throw line. Uh, if I'm a supervisor of officials that didn't see the game and I call up my crew, how did they explain it to me?
4: Well, first of all, Chris Collins said before the game that he had three bigs and his plan was to use 15 fouls on Zach Edey because they just simply have no other way to defend him, and that's the the Zach Edey effect, and it's that way a lot of nights. The way that Purdue plays is pounded inside to a a force that has elite size and strength that, quite frankly, we probably haven't seen in college basketball for a long, long time, if ever, and the best defense on him, and especially last night where he couldn't hit a free throw, uh, was just to foul him. Uh, So, you know, right there, that's That's a ton of fouls. But uh, what you had last night was a team that was pounding the ball inside and trying to draw fouls and and get Northwestern in foul trouble. And then you had Northwestern, which was a three-point shooting, jump-shooting team where you're typically not going to draw a lot of fouls. So I think that's more the case of what happened last night is, um, you know, I I know Northwestern did get fouled on one three-point attempt, but um, when you're settling for jump shots, you're probably not going to get a lot of foul calls. And uh, you know, it reminded me quite a bit of people who can recall this far back. 2008, Purdue had a team that had Robbie Hummel, each one more, um, was more of a perimeter oriented team and played Oklahoma in the preseason NIT. Uh, and, and Blake Griffin was the dominant big man in college basketball at that time. And Northwestern or not Northwestern, Oklahoma got, I think, a 46 to 5 free throw edge that game. Um, it's just kind of the you know the, the style that Purdue plays is uh, set up to, Hopefully, either get easy buckets inside or draw a lot of fouls, and and Purdue took advantage last night somewhat. I mean, you got 46 free throws, but you didn't capitalize on a whole lot of them.
2: Is this a Purdue team that is shortening up their bench? Uh, What happened to Miles Colvin? You had Caleb first, only two minutes and 54 seconds. Heidi had 15 minutes, but it seems like right now it's about a six or maybe seven-man rotation Is that by design, or are there things that guys did that got them out of the the regular rotation?
4: Usually it's earlier than this when when Matt Painter starts to shorten his bench and really get the, okay, these are the seven or eight guys that we're going to lean on throughout the remainder of the season. And he just has so much talent right now that I assure you he wants to play Cable first and, and Miles Colvin more than he has. But especially a game like last night, he just felt like, we can't take Zach Eady out of the game. We can't afford it because we're taking the best punch Northwestern has. And if, if Eady's off the floor for an extended period of time, we're probably going to lose this game. Um, that's not a knock on Caleb first, It's just the fact that he's playing behind the most dominant player in, in the country right now. So, uh, you know, unfortunately for Caleb, um, and I've talked to him about this multiple times this year. You're really buying into a role that's like, hey, I know you've been a starter in the past, but your minutes are going to be hard to come by. Uh, Miles Colvin is, you know, a really good shot maker uh, as a freshman, probably has a little ways to go. And I think that right now you, you just trust Fletcher Lawyers basketball IQ and experience or, you know, Kendon Heidi um, kind of being a little bit stronger and um, able to do some things defensively that Miles Colvin can't right now. That is the reason those guys are, are getting the minutes over the guys who are.
2: What's the concern about burnout on Braden Smith? 40 minutes last night. He's been pretty heavy minutes. I, and I thought we saw him hit a wall last year. Is there a concern?
4: He, uh, I, I do believe that he hit a wall last year, yes. But he, uh, he's a cardiovascular, you know, uh, I don't know the right word, just kind of a, a freak right now. I think he knew to uh, have success at Purdue, he was going to have to be able to get stronger and in better shape as a sophomore and be able to endure playing 35-40 minutes every single game. Um, There was a point last night in overtime where he hit a a layup and then he turned and flexed, and I don't know if that guy has more than 3% body fat on him right now. He's an absolute machine. and You'd like to get him more rest probably, but, again, that's a guy that Matt Painter probably feels like if it's a close game, we can't afford to have him off the floor. Uh, We saw it at Iowa where he came on the Uh, Bench that for about 30 seconds and immediately got put back into the game. And, he, yeah, he's been playing a lot of minutes, but I think that his body is more well-conditioned for it as a sophomore than it was as a freshman. But you're right. I think there's going to be some games here where you hopefully can get up by double digits and let these guys have a little bit of a rest uh, going down the stretch because you don't want Zach Eadie and and Braden Smith to have had a run of playing basically 40-minute games for – a month's time going to the, into the NCAA tournament.
2: Purdue heads to Wisconsin this weekend. They'll have a one o'clock game on Sunday up at the Kohl Center. If Purdue wants to win the regular season title, how important is this head-to-head meeting with Wisconsin?
4: Yeah, Wisconsin, every year it seems like there's a team in the Big Ten that nobody is talking about going into the conference schedule that ends up being a contender for the, the league title. And this year, that is Wisconsin. And, uh... Wisconsin has held ground so far every step of the way. So the the thing that Purdue had in its back pocket was it still has to play Wisconsin twice. So you still control your own destiny. But uh, winning at the Kohl Center is not easy. Uh, Purdue was able to do that last year, although Wisconsin wasn't last season what it is now. Um, And that gave, I believe, that win ended up giving Purdue the outright Big Ten Championship a year ago. Um, But, you know, we don't know the result of Wisconsin's game tonight. But the winner of that game is going to come out uh, atop the league standings, uh, whether it's a tie or whether uh Purdue is outright in the lead. Um but you look right behind that and Illinois is uh is putting pressure on both of these teams to like, hey, we're just waiting for one of these teams to stumble and, and take a loss and take advantage of that. So there's a you know a lot still to be determined here, but I think you're absolutely right. If you can go to two Wisconsin and get a win, you set yourself up well um to win the outright uh regular season championship and in Purdue's case, the schedule travel-wise and uh, you know probably to an extent the teams remaining on the schedule sets up well um, where Purdue should be in good a good situation to win the conference championship if it can go to, to Wisconsin and win on Sunday.
2: Sam, I want to know if anybody at Purdue is on the record as far as the schedule next year because the Big Ten's announced what it's going to do with both the regular season and the Big Ten tournament next year. And uh, it's pretty much uh, one game against everybody except a couple of uh, regional partners or, uh, or rivalries. I would assume in that language, although it's not confirmed, that Indiana-Purdue would be one of the pairings that would play twice every year. Have you heard that? Uh, there's been
4: no word yet. Um, I will tell you, Matt Painter said the other day he hopes that that is a protected rivalry and that he feels Purdue and Indiana should play twice a season and play at both venues. Uh, there was a stretch where, I believe, either when Nebraska joined or when uh, Maryland and Rutgers joined, that uh, there was a couple times that it was only once a year. And uh, From the fan base perspective, nobody liked that. Um, I hope that, it, you know, just from a person from Indiana who's grown up watching that rivalry, that that would be protected. And then, you know, maybe there's one more. Maybe it's Illinois. Who knows? But, uh, you yeah, know, it's going to be, uh, I don't, uh, Envy the big 10 schedule makers for sure but uh, i would hope that that's protected although nobody has come out and said that that's going to be the case
2: sam boys appreciate you do a great job covering the boilermakers and we'll talk to you again soon
4: all right thanks brett
2: yep that's sam king from the lafayette journal and courier joining us here on the sports rush of course you heard adam mention it earlier that tonight it is the pacers and the knicks What's the line on this game tonight? It's in New York, so uh, let me let me guess that the Knicks are going to be. Uh, I I would say Knicks at uh, four and a half. Uh, you're a little high. It's uh, minus three, so. Okay, but we, I'm still within my point and a half. That's my guideline to get a correct bell. So. uh I yeah, it's an it's a point and a half, Adam. So. <laughs> at three. Um, Well, I thought maybe the news with Halliburton would kind of freeze the line or keep it a little swayed toward New York. And and, uh, what's the status as far as the injury update for the the Knicks? Because they were without a few bodies against Charlotte the other night.
3: Yeah. Yeah. As of right now, um they don't have Julius Randle. He's out for a couple weeks right, with his right. shoulder injury, but we're also looking at OG, Ananobi, and Quentin Grimes uh game time decisions for tonight.
2: Isn't it kind of fascinating that the guy that the Pacers went out and traded for is a guy that they got to guard people like Randall. Yeah. <laughs> and then Randall's not playing. Uh, Because that's the type of player that Siakam can match up with really well. Absolutely. Some of those long forwards that are,
3: you know, a little bit stronger can kind of bully their way in a little bit. Yeah, a little
2: taller and will work the perimeter a little bit, tight attack on the bounce, and Siakam can defend those type of guys with his length. Uh, Maybe not the biggest, bulkiest body, but he can, you know, he can use his length and defend some of those guys. But, uh, all right, how good are you feeling about this one tonight, Adam? Uh, I'm I'm feeling all right. I think we have to go. I think we have to go with a vending machine snack bet. We you, have you and I ever had a vending machine snack bet? We have there not. Used to be a his. It, there was a tradition on this show. Yeah. Back when D.C. Hendricks was a producer, uh, because D.C. always wanted to uh to bet a vending machine snack. <laughs> yeah. Imagine, our- imagine that D.C. wanted a, a vending machine snack. <laughs> but but D.C. was one of our uh, regular. Uh, regular customers, one of our VIPs, when it come to the, came to the vending machine because he was always <laughs> here doing games, much like you are. Sure. But he would, you know, he would enjoy the snacks while he was doing the games, and uh, you know, the orange fingerprints were proof of what he was <laughs> snacking on. But but seriously, so we've got to go with the vending machine snack bet. All right, I'll I'll take my next. Any any line too? I mean, any uh, you could take the A B C D or uh, even those expensive things. Wow. Yeah. All right. Because I might want to get one of the big fat cinnamon rolls when Pacers win this thing tonight. <laughs> Let's go, Nick. <laughs> 46862 is part sports medicine text line. 46862. Coming up in hour number two, uh, got to talk to Tim Tassler. He is uh, a baseball historian here, and he's going to be putting on a presentation down at the History Center on Sunday afternoon about black baseball in the Summit City. And uh, it's all part of the Fort Wayne history of baseball, which... I don't know if you'd follow this, but but there is so much history connected to Fort Wayne when it comes to the sport of baseball. And uh in fact, you know, we're a really good town for sports history overall. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean when it comes to the NBA, yeah. I mean it originated in our town in a garage with Fred Zollner and company, but uh, but also one of the original franchises of the original National Basketball Association. Yeah. Still playing today in Detroit mm-hmm. as the Pistons. But uh, but anyway, in baseball, another sport that's got an amazing tradition here in Fort Wayne. And Tim Tassler is going to be presenting some information. We'll get a preview of it today and, and invite you to come out and join him on Sunday. Also on the way, Eric Kevitch is going to join us. We'll talk high school sectional play and set up our semifinals and our championships coming up in the girls' sectionals, and maybe a uh, touch on the boys as well, including a power poll this week's top five teams. That's all coming up. Our number two is on the other side. It's the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.